Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other. Welcome to another episode of Here She Stands. Today we are joined again by Tatiana Overdune from Adelaide. We first spoke to Tatiana back in episode 8 where she talked about our identity in Christ and today she has been kind enough to join us again to talk about the very important topic of yoga. What exactly is yoga and whether we as Christians should practice yoga. So Tatiana, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me to join you again. Let's see, that's lovely. Thank you. Now, I'm not joined by Sonia today. She is unwell, so it's just me for lying solo. But um, she's feeling better soon. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's just jump straight in. So what is yoga? There's a lot one could say about that. I think as time has evolved, it has become to mean different things for different people. Uh, It's become a mainstream form of exercise in Western cultures, but originally its its roots are as an ancient system and a system which is meant to offer wisdom Mm -hmm. and support physical, mental and spiritual well-being. It definitely has its origins in that. And the physical postures themselves, uh, which have a specific name, and I'm going to choose not to use any of the Sanskrit names today, yeah. but they do have a specific name and uh, which groups them. And I'm sure that if people who do yoga would know what I'm talking about, but I'm just choosing not to use the Sanskrit today. And there's also the breathing techniques also with a specific name in Sanskrit. There also then enters into guidance on living and that becomes a big part of yoga practice if one kind of gets into it more deeply. There's also the form of meditation which enters into yoga practice. Often yoga sessions will begin with a brief or begin or end with a brief meditation. So the aim of different yoga processes is to supposedly help. The goal is to achieve harmony and greater understanding of the person doing the yoga and also on life. So it could also be called a science, but it's most certainly a belief system in a philosophy and it's not limited to any age group that can practice yoga or gender or religious background. Okay, so within yoga itself, there are different practices and it's also like a lifestyle as well. Like you said, that there are beliefs on life and practices on Mm. well-being and living that go with. I'll talk a little bit more about that with some of the other questions today and be a bit more specific on, on some of those points. Yeah. So what is the origin of yoga? Where did it come from? I think for the person today, there's a lot of mystery and uncertainty surrounding yoga so it's almost become just another kind of fitness routine or or even if you want to call it a sport or exercise program but its history is uh, based in the sacred text of the early writings of yoga that can be developed back 
some 5,000 years ago apparently yeah. and or even older. So there's a long, long, rich history uh, initially developed in northern India and the word yoga is mentioned in the sacred texts and scriptures of the Vedic priests and there's a huge amount of work contained about yoga in over 200 scriptures and especially kind of the, the main work of Indian or the uh, Indus-Sarasvati civilization. And so, the, all, again, there are different arms of yoga as well. So it kind of can break up into different types of yoga, but most certainly uh, based in the meaning of the word yoga is based in the term, uh, which means to unite or to yep. yoke, to yoke with, to yoke your body, mind and spirit into a personal and universal awareness and consciousness. Okay, so you're not necessarily yoking with God as we know him, but with the universal awareness. Mm, well, that's what the tradition of yoga is based yeah. in. I think we can explore some of the con some of these concepts yeah. of what it means for a Christian, perhaps in some uh, later as we discuss this. I have never done yoga before. I've done a little bit of research into yoga. And from what I have read, that yoga is Hindu. It is a Hindu practice that those who are Hindu, it is a big part of their life and a big part of their belief system. Is that what you have found in your own study yes. and your own yeah, research with yoga? Yeah, it, it, that's its origins. Yeah. So as I said, though, many people today in our society would not be Hindu or would yes. not even think that they, there is any connection to that. But if you look at the origins of yoga and people who are Hindu who would be practicing yoga as part of their spiritual belief system. Yes, I actually came across an article recently and it was talking about, I think it is the American Hindu Association something like that. You'll, I'll have yeah. to fact check that. And it was talking about a campaign that they had started, which was basically the Take Back Yoga campaign, where it was th these Hindus in America were just wanting people to understand that this is originally Hindu. We practice this and we want people to be aware of its roots and where it's come from and what it means. So it's not just a fitness trend or a relaxation stretching session yeah I was reading that they would like it to be recognized for its roots mm, yeah. yeah yeah I think that's the um the subtleness about it and I'll I'll use that word later again that the way that a person becomes involved in the practice of yoga very innocently to begin with but yeah. then the subtle influences that start to become a bigger part of the practice because, of course, the more you practice yoga, then the deeper you're going to enter into the various facets of it. Yeah. And so um, I think people, perhaps without realising, suddenly can find themselves deep in a practice that originally never started off being involved in. Okay. Now, as I said before, I've never actually done yoga Mm -hmm. So what does a typical yoga session look like? Well, probably the most common thing about yoga is what most, say, Australians or people in a Western world would become involved in, and that is to improve flexibility and balance. Yeah. For example, some of the movements can have great health benefits and uh, um, there's 
facts for that. So, for example, yep. just one little example is where as people age, balance becomes an issue for them. And so putting your hand out, holding the back of a chair, standing on one leg and holding one's balance, and you know, particularly if you're older, and gently closing the eyes and then opening the eyes, swapping, turning around, doing the other leg. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that that can be really beneficial for your body. Yes. So part of the issues are when we start to use the Sanskrit terminology with the poses themselves. Mm -hmm. And then like side stretching or forward stretching, that can, of course, again, can be very beneficial to different parts of the body. So there's that part. It's also renowned to reduce stress and anxiety because of the practice of deep breathing, the breathing yeah. with the movement, you know, the in and out breath becomes part of the whole movement. So again, I think that you know, I learned that from a, a medical or physiological point of view, a deep in-breath can actually really help people who suffer from anxiety mm -hmm. and a really long, elongated out-breath exhale is actually been tested to show that people who suffer from depression or are feeling very sad mm -hmm. if, you, if you exhale for a long time it's very calming so it depends if we look at it from a physiological point of view then I'm sure there are benefits but when we start to yoke it with the spiritual elements and the particularly the use of the Sanskrit names the correct yoga names I think that's where the danger lies yeah so the moves themselves us they can be quite good for you stretching relaxation hmm. are there some yoga instructors who hold sessions but leave out or don't really go into the Sanskrit or the spiritual side of things like are there yoga classes where it really is just the stretching and the different poses and all of that that would be a difficult question for me to answer because I've probably only, you know, attended, I could only go on experience, but I'm sure yeah. there would be some teachers who are simply using it as a form of exercise, full stop. I mean, yeah. there are other be benefits such as improving concentration and mental clarity and improving sleep, boosting self-awareness. All of these are good things. So yeah. I couldn't judge whether there are teachers out there or not or whether perhaps they start doing with that and then build and increase the spiritual element. I mean, there, I did read an article that stated that if you're a good yoga teacher, then you will start to integrate the 10 most common movements or terms that, that, yeah. that you should incorporate into your practice. For example, the, there might be yoga teachers who start just doing the movements and they're learning like I did. I gained yeah. my, my first step to yoga teaching and we can talk about that in a minute. And then, But then in their own development of yoga, then they might read something and be encouraged, well, these are 10 deities, for example, a yoga teacher should incorporate into their classes. Yeah. And then subsequently that then is being put on to the student because unless they stop or, or leave the session or perhaps pray through it, which I yes. definitely had done in the past when I first started, and you sort of protect with God, with, with the light of Christ, and you might start that way and then eventually you start to become lapsed in, in how you're practising your yoga or start take on more. I hope yes. that answers your question. 
Yes. So in your experience, there has always been some type of spiritual element incorporated into the yoga classes that you've done. I think because I'm a, I was a spiritual person to begin with, I was yeah. aware of the spirituality that surrounded it. For example, when I did my training, I when I went to Byron Bay and did my my training to get my 200 hours of training to become the first step of every yoga instructor. Yeah. We were asked to and expected to participate in the mantras, the chanting yeah. of mantras. And so when I did, when I was doing my course, I was very aware that this was something that wasn't going, wasn't so crash hot and against my Christian practice. And it was very tricky to sort of look like I was doing it, but not be doing it. And it was just sort of a fine balance of how do I navigate this? Because if I want to get my instructor certificate, then I need to participate because it was an expectation. Yeah. So how did you actually end up getting into yoga and the study of yoga? I I did when when we went to Geraldton, when my husband was uh, his first placement in Geraldton, Western Australia, there was a yoga class going there. So actually both of us actually started going to that and mm-hmm. we made it really clear to the as a health benefit. Yes. And we made it really clear to the instructor that we were very aware that we did not want to participate in anything associated with the Hindu spirituality. And they were they were aware and they were really good about it. But there was still elements of it. It was it was more like, well if you don't want to do it then don't participate. And so that was it was very there was a fine line really if I look back at it now I don't think it had a big effect on us then then we came back to South Australia and continued in a in a general sort of class which was supposedly not really yoga that was one of those body balance type classes which incorporated yoga and but interestingly the teacher there did start to use deities in the session and Mm -hmm. We made a report of that or sort of mentioned it at the uh, fitness centre and that that was kind of conflicting with where we were at and then that person stopped. So it was interesting how, and that's what I was saying before, that as a yoga teacher, they probably feel the need that they need to do that to improve the practice for everyone. Yes. Um, And then I started to come to a class, classes that were close to home and the studio that I used to go to didn't have a meditation teacher and I had already started my meditation study as a meditation facilitator and they employed me as a the meditation teacher at the yoga studio mm-hmm. and I was involved in running classes and it just made sense for me to go down the track of also incorporating yoga into my sessions. And so I did that. I did my, as I said, I went over to Byron Bay and did my training. And then after working at the studio for a couple of years, I then started, I I had a home studio Mm -hmm. and ran a small business from home. So I was able to regulate what sort of classes I wanted to hold. I did workshops, ran children's classes, prenatal sessions and specialised in women's health and yoga. So while all this was happening... What was your Christian faith like at the time? I would definitely say my Christian faith was strong, but at the time that's what I thought and that's what I would have told anyone if anyone questioned it and I felt like I had a handle on things. But in hindsight, I can see that 
being involved in this, I probably spent a lot of time looking at yoga-related reading and articles and practice, etc. So the time that I would have spent on doing all of that would have taken away time that I would have focused on Bible reading and yeah. what biblical practice is is teaching me to do. So there was there would have been a, f- a fine line where there was a conflict that started in a sense of well, how much time I was devoting to learning more about yoga and meditation, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you ever feel like this conflict between what you were reading in yoga and meditation and the biblical truth in the scriptures? Like was there in many ways, like they just don't fit with each other? Did you find that? Did, did you have to wrestle through that or how did you process that, all of that? I think there became an awareness within me. I remember one of the first things I started to do when I was running my home classes was I started to let my clients know about where I stood with my own personal faith. Yeah. So because a couple of times I sort of ended my meditations with amen and it was a bit sort of I had to clarify with them, oh, Oh, you know, I'm not trying to impose anything on you, but it just became a natural response. But it's almost as if the Holy Spirit began working in me to show me that this wasn't the way in that instance for me. And then another Christian woman, I shared with her what I was doing, and then she warned me of the dangers of yoga. She wasn't a Lutheran person, but another person I had met. along my she wasn't really a friend she was more of an acquaintance and then because she warned me about it I was I just said no I don't think it's that bad or anything like that it's very beneficial I became quite fit through my practice Mm -hmm. then I started because of what she had said to me I started to then do my own research and found that there was quite a lot about that about the conflict that can occur for Christians if they become too deeply involved and the subtle way that yoga begins to influence them and starts to draw people away. So it seems innocent at first and then your spiritual practices become divided. Yeah. So when once I started to do my own research, then I really started to feel within my spirit that there was actually something that I didn't want to do it anymore, actually. I really felt feel that but meanwhile I was still running classes and people didn't want to stop coming and so I was almost fighting against myself and then COVID happened and everything it just became really clear I couldn't continue with my classes uh, because of the the expectations for running a home business and the COVID rules and regulations and so it folded so in a way that became a way to cease practice I also was teaching it at school as a, like sometimes we have a special day and teachers hold a different type of activity. And I was like doing the whole setup and yeah. classes would be full of all these students and it went pretty well, but I don't do that anymore either. I ceased yeah. doing that. Yeah. So when you were teaching, you were a Christian at the mm. time. Mm. What did, because we've briefly touched on what a yoga session look, looks like. Mm. What did yours look like? Because you didn't fully commit to a lot of the Hindu beliefs and things that are involved in yoga. 
So what did you incorporate into yoga and what did you leave out when you were teaching? I think that it, well, I learned the Sanskrit. I'm, I'm pretty good with languages. Yeah. Um, when I studied at the SEM, I studied Hebrew and Greek and I have the Ukrainian language and that I can still speak. And so I was kind of a bit chuffed about the fact that I could say the Sanskrit words and I had learned them. But I, it was only over time that I started to realise the power of those words. So some of the things I've shared with you today, I wouldn't have known that at the beginning. For example, yeah. when I started at the studio and I was employed there as a second job, part-time job in the evenings, teaching these sessions, I didn't know what I know now yes. about the power of, of the words. And yes. we, we talked before about the different types of exercises and some of the exercises or the movements specifically mean more than just a movement. So the warrior poses, for example, very much connected to a deity. So, And I didn't know that. Yeah. And the triangle pose, and I'm specifically not using the Sanskrit words here, but the triangle pose, again, is really a like a, honoring a deity when you get when you do that well and so the body starts to position you get better and better at the pose and the body is positioning itself to give honor and praise to that deity yeah Uh, I've got some scripture texts today just about teaching yoga there was one Matthew 8 chapter 6 if any if so as a teacher if I'm leading people astray that mm. this text is the one that says in the bible if anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea so yes. there's a responsibility of somebody who's leading others to get involved in a practice that eventually could lead them away from their Christian spirituality. Yeah. So So. coming back to my teaching, I think just by using the Sanskrit words, I unknowingly was evoking. um, It's not that I saw things flying around the air or anything. (laughs) Yeah. But just there's a certain empowerment that comes through yoga, which actually is very attractive, particularly for women. But now that I have sort of, I'm on the other side of that, I can see that our suffering that we endure sometimes as Christian or as women, as Christian women, is also something that Jesus sees and supports us in. And when we call on Jesus' name to help us through our difficulties and our struggles, struggles, when we humbly come before God with our requests, he too can empower us in a different way and not in this way. Yeah. One of the things that I really thought about this question a lot, that the way that how subtle that the practice can grow of yoga, to me, reminds me about how the first Peter text, how the devil getting a foothold into our life and without us realising that kind of just grows bigger. And I think the most important thing for me that I've come to recognise is that what's really different about our spiritual practice as a Christian is that we are people who daily come with repentance before God. Yeah. It's not about getting bigger, better, you know, stronger, more empowered. Not it, It's a different sort of power. It's not a worldly power. It's, it's a hum, humble repentance that leads us to have a true heart for 
what it means to be a Christian, believe in Christ as Lord and Saviour. So repentance is inseparable from our faith. Yes. And turning to Christ as our Lord and Saviour, as I just said. And in Acts 3.19, the text tells us, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so I can't judge other people who do yoga. I cannot because everyone's experience is different and I went through it. But if it takes you away from being able to acknowledge that we are sinful human beings and that we need to daily repent and turn to Christ, if there's a point where that starts to happen and you're being led away from your faith journey that God has called you to do, then that would be a time that one a person would really need to stop and listen and reflect and even repent then. And yes. I'm sure that uh, the Lord, as he promises, will hear them and to continue to repent if that gets to that point for them. Yes, I have loved ones who are Christians who have either done yoga in the past or do yoga and they love the Lord and they worship only God and I wouldn't point the finger at them and say, oh, you know, you're doing this Hindu worship practice. You are an idolater. Like I wouldn't do that. No. But but on the other hand, there does need to be this acknowledgement of yoga is not just stretching when you've got the Sanskrit words involved, which are, you know, like you said, evoking these deities. deities And you're creating, you know, you're creating poses with your body that are, showing reverence to these deities mm. there does need to be that acknowledgement that this is this is more than what you know this is more than just stretching there is a spiritual component involved in this and um, I would love to hear if you if there's anything more you'd like to add to that that'd be wonderful but I would also love to hear about you know what consequences came you know what consequences did you experience from doing yoga? Yes, thank you. So and in response to your first comments just then, you, I think it is very much up to the individual Christian to mm. to stop and reflect how their yoga practice is influencing them and then ask the Lord and seek guidance through the scripture of whether there is a conflict. So I'm sure that we can all individually do that. Yeah. And uh, that that's responsible practice then. In regard to consequences, well, I mentioned before that there's a certain empowerment yes, uh, that comes through strength of one's body and the poses and the practice and all sorts of things associated with yoga. And I became quite strong in my personality and probably the biggest impact is it affected my marriage. Yeah. And not that I'm the only person in this, in my marriage. I mean, everyone is responsible, both people. But Mm -hmm. I think instead of seeking God's, just completely God's guidance over some of the issues that were happening in my marriage, I looked to other things, including yoga practice and definitely meditation as well. Yeah. And again, I'll mention that it was subtle. I didn't know that because I was practicing those things and not giving giving my concerns over to God in prayer, who promises to answer and hear and support us through that when we are dedicated to God's ways. 
I would say that that was the consequence. And <clears throat> subsequently, I mentioned the last time I was on the podcast that I was in a time of separation from my husband for six years. Yeah. And what allowed us to come back together was God's word, were God's promises and God's ordinances for marriage. Not what yoga says, definitely not what the world says. So... I think that that would be something that I would say, and so perhaps other deceptions in my life at the time too, mm -hmm. listening to other louder teachings in the world rather than leaning on and trusting in God's promises over my life alone. As I, as I said, I didn't abandon my Christian faith, but how much was I listening? How, how much was I integrating? And that to me is something I can reflect back on. Yes. So, for example, today I might have a problem that I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. And it's very easy in our world to despair or lose hope or wonder how am I going to solve this when the answers are entrust them to the Lord. He knows. He's got his hand over my life. He's If I seek out his ways and, and trust him and read God's word and pray about the situation, hand it over to God. I have such a great sense of relief. Yes. And that's just so precious. And that shows a new way. It's it's God's way. You know, Jesus' teachings are always new and refreshing because he's taken upon all my sins upon himself mm. and all my problems and he sees all. So it's immersing myself in those promises and trusting in God's word rather than looking to other ways to deal with the things that are challenging in my life at the moment. Yes. So before you stopped doing yoga and mm. meditation and all of that, did you find yourself running to meditation or things like yoga when you were anxious or when there was, you know, just difficulties happening? I did a lot of meditation. So I'm a me meditation facilitator as well. I did the training. Yeah. I was running classes. Uh, my clients were people, they would say at the end of the session, oh, I can't believe that was an hour and a half. It felt like 10 minutes. Yeah. So they were very in-depth. And I, after studying a variety of different professional meditation facilitators, I developed my own style because I integrated all, you know, various different forms and it didn't incorporate chanting or anything like that. It was, it was more from a medical point of view going into accessing the pineal gland, for example, mm -hmm. and encouraging my clients to look within themselves, look within the body and, and use the subconscious mind to alleviate anxieties, etc. And it's interesting because at the Vatican, there's a huge pineal gland in the grounds. Went yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. It looks sort of like, it's, it looks like a little pine cone. So that in... I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that. Yes, I've seen a statue of that. Yeah, I've, yeah. Did you, yeah, yeah. Not, not in real life, but right. um, yeah. Um, if, funny enough, it was in one of my girls' maths books. Yeah, well, we, um, were there, of it. we were there in 2011 and when I saw it, I thought, oh, okay. It, so even the Christian church has in history seen the power of this little gland that's with, right in the centre of our brain mm -hmm. and which, um, oh, there's a lot I could say about that too. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, look, it is very interesting, you know, all of these facets, but 
and and I don't think it's wrong to study these things or or know about them or read about them. The point where it becomes dangerous is if it becomes greater than the glory that we give to God. Yes. Things. Yes. Galatians one verse five. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes. And so otherwise we would stop reading everything. We would stop learning everything. So meditation was something that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed teaching it. I enjoyed doing it. On occasion, I slip into it sometimes, but then I'll come out of it very quickly because I've obviously trained my brain to do that. So I don't, I wouldn't say I practice it anymore. Yeah. I don't don't go to it. I would rather pray. Yes. And go straight to the Father. That's right. Yeah, it's really interesting what you said that there is so much truth in some of the things that are taught and said in some of the new age kind of um, groups in that our physical and our spiritual and our mental bodies are like we're, we're just connected. Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah, and our mental affects the physical and our physical affects mm. the mental and the spiritual and the, we're just that's the way that God created us. And I do think though sometimes the devil will sneak in some lies as well. He'll take the tr- he'll take some of the truth and then sneak in a bit of a lie. And um, yeah, I do like what you said about about not letting it overtake the glory of God. Mm. So it is it is okay to to look into the ways that our bodies are connected. There does need to be discernment because not everything out there is true. No, and there's um, definitely a lot out there now. Yes, yes, absolutely. So in First Peter chapter five verse eight, the text tells us to humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be yes. self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And so, very subtly, we can be influenced, and that's not just yoga. That can be many other things in our modern world. Yes. But if we are reading God's word and we are worshipping God in, uh, as a community in our home churches and we are, or, you know, our home-based churches, I don't mean home, depending where you are worshipping together with yes. us. Yes. And when we're dedicating ourselves to prayer, then we're building that barrier against allowing the devil to gain a foothold. Yes. And um, that is so important. As someone who has been under demonic oppression before because I was participating in occultic practices, I do think it's very important for Christians to deeply consider whether they should attend a yoga class or not, simply because I unwillingly was doing things like, sorry, not unwillingly, I was unknowingly doing things like numerology and different forms of Mm. divination and omen reading, thinking that this was how God was communicating with me. I had no Mm. idea that it was Mm. completely wrong. And that's what brought me under demonic oppression. And I guess my concern is when we have our brothers and sisters in Christ participating in some of this stuff, that they may be a bit unaware of some of the consequences that could come from it. That's right. 
And, and so that's a really good point, Lexi. And, they, and that then, if they are concerned, if anyone's listening to, after today's podcast and feels that they're concerned or perhaps even in disagreement with some of the things I've said, a great thing to do is to do their own research and to yeah. uh, have a look and have a read about the history of yoga and the yoga practice. And you mentioned that some yoga studios now really want to integrate the Hindu religion or spirituality and practice. So we learn to be able to discern, don't we? Yes. Yeah. And I, I've really enjoyed this chat and I've really enjoyed how you've constantly just brought it back to Christ. Thank you. Just brought it back and just constantly reminded us of, yep, through this discussion, let's talk about it, but let's also remember who we are in Christ and mm. we are humble before him. Yes. And he is our God and he is our King and everything we do should be to glorify and honour him. And I really appreciate that, Tatiana. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about this. It's given me a few more things to think about, as I'm sure it has some of our listeners. So thank you. Oh, you're most welcome, Lexi. And I'm going to put a little plug in, a little shout out to some of my students who've decided to tap into some of the podcasts. Oh, lovely. <laughs> as, as school students, that is. <laughs> yes, lovely. Well, hello to your school students. Yeah. So. Thank you very much, Lexi. Thank you. Last month, my family and I travelled to Halls Gap in Victoria to attend the annual Young Adults Retreat run by Creative Word Fellowship. In our next episode, I will be chatting with some of the young women who also attended this retreat, and together we will reflect on some of the memorable moments that happened. Of course, a bit of theology will make it into the conversation. Don't forget to check out the show notes for information and links relating to today's episode. You can find Here She Stands on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at hereshestands.podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to sign up to our newsletter, download our episode transcripts, or find out more about us, head on over to our website at hereshestands.online. Until then... We pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, Here I stand, I can do no other.